another episode of the Personal Branding for Photographers podcast. My name is Maurice Jager and I'm a photographer, speaker and the author of the book Personal Branding for Photographers. This podcast is all about learning how to improve your personal brand as a photographer. Thank you for listening today and let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of the Personal Branding for Photographers podcast. And today we have Joel Grimes. And if you do not know about Joel Grimes, you've been living under a rock for the past, like, what is it, like 40 years? So, (laughs) (laughs) Joel Grimes, thank you for being on the podcast. How are you doing today? Great, Maurice. It's good to uh, chat with you. I know uh, we've bumped into each other over the years. And uh, so it's always great to uh, have a conversation with you. All right. So for the people that do not know you, like, can you do a little introduction? Uh, like, who are you? How do you how would you describe yourself? Well, I, I'm I've been a working photographer. I mean, actually full time shooting for probably now 40 years, um, which is kind of a rare thing. I mean, there's a lot of people get into it later in life, which is fine. Um, but I started out in the 70s. Um, Uh, as a student and then eventually graduated with a degree in photography and it was really my first year I use this I I use this example or tell about this example my first college class uh, college level photography class uh, the professor uh, Lubernall that I had at that time said uh, a statement that literally floored me and it kind of has been my um, uh, something I've chased ever since. And he said that photography is not just a way to document the world around you, but it's a way to be an artist and have a creative outlet uh, to express yourself. And I, at 19 years old, I'm sitting there going, uh, I want to be an artist. And so I set out to be an artist, um, which, again, had no clue, a zero clue about how to make a living with my camera. Um, did some weddings. I did some weddings in, while I was in uh, uh, college. And so I guess that was my first, I guess, paid uh, photography uh, jobs. And then eventually I got out. Uh, and all along the way, I worked construction. I had a paint, uh, painting crew. I, I painted houses and, and, and apartment complexes for years uh, before I could you know, make it full time. But I say full time. But by the time I was graduated from college, it took me six years to get through college because um, I paid for it myself. So I was constantly, you know, taking a semester off here and there. But by the time I graduated, uh, a buddy and I um, started uh, a photography studio in Denver. He was an art center, uh, Pasadena Art Center graduate, which was a real, uh, like, say, uh, commercial or a high-end photography education or school. I went through the fine arts, a U of A, University of Arizona degree, fine art degree. So I didn't have any idea of how to make a living, but I began with him as sort of my uh, catalyst because he helped me a lot. But I I learned how to market, uh, knock on doors, make cold calls, and began to get work. And I I was pitching ad agencies and, and graphic design studios. And... Little by little, I started taking tra- uh, uh, traction and started getting work. And once I sort of found the formula of getting clients, um, it just took off like crazy. And But all along, I, I felt like I was um, trying to balance my, art, my, my artistic side of me and then also 
the uh, I had to make a living, right? So there was these two worlds. I was kind of like I had to I had to please a client, but I was also I love photography so much, and I wanted to make incredible images. And uh, for for a while there, and I tell my kids this all the time because they're uh, I have one kid that's doing car photography, automotive photography, and one that's a filmmaker. But I I tell them how in the early days I had to just take anything that came along. I mean I was doing pictures that you know, were boring uh, for the most part, but I had to make a living. So I think that in my back of my mind, I thought if I can make a living with my camera, then I've, I've succeeded, right? I've, I've, I, that's the one goal that I wanted. My other goal was to uh, have an art or artistic outlet. And, and so I kept that all along. Well, it was about in, um, I would say the late nineties, uh, life was great. I was making really good money, but I started shooting uh, portraits using a field camera, a four by five field camera, a view camera. Yeah. Way um, back in the using, day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Using type 55 Polaroid film. And the reason why I bring this up is because um, I stuck with one idea, which was a view camera, you know, dark cloth, you know, you upside down uh, the ground glasses, got the image upside down. Very slow painstaking process of taking a picture, a portrait. And not very many photographers would use a four by five or a view camera for a portrait because the focusing uh, is so critical. And anyways, the point was is that I stuck with this and I, be, I built a body of work and using that Type 55. And it was the first time that that work kind of took off on a national level. Um, so I was working in Denver, which is a pretty good sized city. Um, but that was my client base was in one city. It was when I started experimenting with this portrait series, large format, type 55, all black and white that, and I, and I also advertised in a, uh, um, they call it source books that go to art directors, uh, which is very expensive to get in. You have to pay to get in. Mm-hmm. Uh, my work went out there and it exploded and it, it was the first taste of me doing a series of portraits and a style that I loved that was more on a on a fine I, I wouldn't use the word fine art, but it was more artistic approach to portrait photography. Not it was for me. It was my personal approach to 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 uh, doing a portrait, and that that branded me. And all of a sudden, I started doing huge ad campaigns. We're talking on a whole nother level. So. Um, you know, not just financially, but the client level was, uh, was you know, Volvo and, um, you know, Sony and AT&T and big, big uh, pharmaceutical companies. Um, and I started getting uh, these campaigns that had, you know, big crews or I'd have 25 people on set and, you know, we'd have the producer, the, you know, the scout, the, all the, all the things that it took to go. And so, that the reason why I mentioned this is because it gave me a taste for the first time of what it's like to take and brand yourself with a certain style and look, market it out to the world, and then the world, you know, takes notice. Not everyone likes, you know, everything, but our directors started going, "We want this guy. Get this guy." And um, so it was the first time that I, I think I, f- I felt like I crossed over from being a working photographer just to make a living as, you know, and, and sort of like, you know, whatever the client needs were, I, I kind of did right to 
building a signature brand that fit me, and then I could make really good money with that. So I tell people a lot, and we can maybe get into this more, that there, there's there's um, it's a different mindset. So a mindset is that every day I have to get up and somehow make uh, a living with my camera to pay my bills. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there's also another mindset is to create a body of work that brands yourself that that allows you to charge 10 times what you could charge in a local market that is just sort of trying to meet whatever your client's needs are. Yeah. And so it was, it was a huge bump in my career, um, not just financially, but also out in the marketplace, people started saying, Oh, Hey, this is Joel Grimes. Look at his stuff, you know, and people go, Oh, I've seen your stuff, man. I, I love your stuff. You camera. That's crazy. Well, the reason why I even mentioned that to tell you who I am is eventually that brand and that look and that approach kind of wore out. It got used in the marketplace to where it kind of had its run. Uh, it had a life. And so whenever I give a talk on branding and you, you, you know, this probably pretty well too, because you have dove, you dive in it and you, you, I've dealt with similar things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so you understand the, the, the good news or the, so the bad news is the start. Good news is I built a brand that made me very successful. The bad news is it has a life. The good news is you can start all over again and build another brand. And then that brand has a life. And the bad news is it comes to an end. But the good news is you can start over again. So the stuff that most people know me by is that when the digital uh, you know, age came along, a digital capture, um, is my sports, as sports lighting, you know, uh, the real kind of, a I say grungy, uh, dramatic portraits that I was doing with, uh, uh, with sports figures. And then of course with some, some uh, beauty, uh, portraits and then cowboys and, you know, older craggly, you know, Harley riders and stuff. But the point is, is, um, after that initial, large format uh, view camera type 55 stuff came to an end. I just picked up and decided, oh, new brand, start all over. And 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 it was like, it, most people would say, well, your career's over. <laughs> Nobody wants you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was 50 years old, by the way, when that happened. I was 50. And so, how wrong were they? <laughs> well, and the, the thing is, is now I was working on my second branding look. And so now I was a lot wiser than I was the first time around. And so people are, in some ways, they are probably surprised. Wow, Joel, you, I mean, that stuff you did went crazy. And I said, yeah, because now I knew what to do. I knew, I knew that I had to take a look, refine it, repeat it, build a body of work, send it out to the marketplace. And then you get all this traction. And people want to be you. They want to copy you. They want to, you know, how you do it and everything. Well, the other thing that happened during that rebranding at 50 years old was um, I started getting a lot of invitations to start speaking. And I wasn't planning on ed being an educator. I, I always had an open door to my studio and photographers come by and I'd talk to them and I'd, I'd share everything. I never had any secrets. From day one, I've never had a secret. I've never held anything back. Where the culture that I was in at that time, most photographers had secrets. Most photographers held back. We're in a different age today with YouTube and 
uh, social media where it, information is being spread around a lot quicker. So not too many people can really have a secret anymore. But back when I was, uh, uh, you know, a young photographer or, you know, being a part of the photography uh, world, most successful photographers were very secretive of what their, their style was or how they did anything. Um, but anyways, so I rebranded, I got out there and it just exploded. And then the teaching came along invites and all that eventually a Canon Explorer of light. And, um, so most people know me as an educator today, but, um, really I've been a working photographer that just kind of got pushed into the teaching side of things. And so here I am today. Now, uh, the, I guess the next question would be, um, you know, what's the next move for me? And because my, uh, when I say this, every brand has about a 10 year run, seven to 10 year run. And so I've now worn out my three light, edgy, grungy, sport looking lighting, you know, look, I've worn that out. And so, you know, what's the next thing for me? And so I'm kind of going back a little bit to uh, like a one light approach. Uh, I do a lot of, um, you know, either cross light, which is more of the Rembrandt, the very classic lighting. I still love that. Um, a one light over the top, which is more uh, top down light, which is simulating, uh, you know, a source like maybe a sky um, above you. And, but more individual uh, portraits with uh, a simpler approach, a lighting approach, and a little softer look than what I had before. Yeah. Um, is that but, when you're using the, like the 24 inch, uh, beauty dish that you built with uh westcott yeah. is that yeah. like where yeah, that, that came about of, from well i i had um even my three light approach were two edge lights and a one overhead light i had a uh, a hard shell beauty dish and i it was very difficult to put that on an airplane um and i did i mean i would put it on an airplane and fly somewhere to do a shoot commercial shoot and i would approach westcott because that was a part of Westcott, Top Pro, whatever they call that. And then I would just say to them, look, you need a, we need to uh, get a beauty dish that collapses, you know, a, a travel portable beauty. And for four years they go, yeah, I know, I know. And then one day I said, look, I'm done with you guys. Come on. And, and then uh, they said, I think Brandon had taken over Brandon. He yeah. said, you, you design it and we'll build it. And so then I sat down with their team, but I designed it and um, tested it, and we came up with what what, what became the 24-inch beauty dish. But um, and that was just a, re a direct result in trying to get something that collapsed. But uh, out of that, I started using that beauty dish more, or that concept of a 24-inch modifier uh, more, and uh, I like it. I still like it today, and um, it's a great it's a great one light source. Yeah. So like when we back paddle a little bit, like there's a like there's a life story already but like you mentioned early on like okay i was starting into photography i was like trying to like get my feet wet and getting people in the door like how do you approach that like how like because now you're like 40 years in the business but what did you did like early on did you like really like knock on doors or like how does how did that work and like, how do you approach that? Well, okay, so remember I said there's there's really two mindsets. One is that you, let's say you have to build a portfolio or a body of work. Let's call it a body of work that represents what you want to do or what you hope someone will hire you for. And so 
um, the first thing you got to do is, let's say you just graduated from photography school, is you got to go and say, okay, here's here's my skill set, and we, today we build a website. And you can still have a physical portfolio, but let's just say you have a website and you put your top 40 pictures on there or whatever it is, 50 pictures, 100 pictures, whatever. And you put them on there and you say, this is who I am. Then your website's sitting there. Nobody's going to it. I mean, maybe a few people stumble across it. There might be other photographers. But how to get clients? Uh, and so this is where most photographers fail and they break down. And so um, I, I, I'll give you an example, okay? And yeah. so I used to hire assistants all the time. I still do, but I'm saying back in the early days when I was uh, in Denver days and I would be uh, a hired assistant, sometimes I would, I try to keep the same assistants. And I've had one assistant, two, actually two assistants that I've had that I've used for about 20 years um, uh, on and off. But most of the time I would rotate those guys. Um, but on, ta- on occasion I, they would be booked or something and I would have to get a new assistant. And sometimes it's a, a, a new, uh, someone who's just out of college and they have a photography degree and they're, they're in a car with me. We're driving to a photo shoot and they're like, Oh, Joel Grimes. I'm with Joel Grimes. You know, he's such a genius. He's so amazing. And you know, they look at you like you're, you know, uh, yeah, this uh, struck. Yes. Yeah. And so we're driving long and I, and I ask him, well, you know, what, what school did you go to? You know, blah, blah, blah. What do you want to do with your life? You know, I'm always very engaging with my assistants uh, because I know that they're starting out and they, they need encouragement and whatever. Um, and I, I always treat my assistants very good on set. I never yell at them, never scream at them, telling them that, you know, they're doing something wrong, whatever. Um, and I think that's very important. It's a big reflection of, I think, who you are as a person, too. I but, think so, too. Yeah. But anyways, I, I ask a question. I say, um, what's the difference between me and you today? I'm, I'm Besides, I'm driving the car, and it's my gear in the back. But... Uh, we're going along here. You're the assistant. I'm the photographer. What's the difference between the two of us? Why is it that I'm going to this, you know, job? And they say, you're an amazing photographer. And I say, that's not the difference. The difference is I convinced someone to hire me. That's it. Okay. Now, my work has to be a pretty good level to go and convince someone. But for the most part, I say this, that we're overqualified for the job that normally we're hired for. Mm-hmm. So, so... Any job that I do, unless it's for like a big ad campaign that's going to be, you know, like for a car car shoot or something, gets pretty complicated. But for the most part, AT&T hires me to do a series of portraits of of entrepreneur business owners in front of their little pie shop or their little, you know, coffee shop or, you know, some little business that they do. I'm doing a portrait of someone. It's, a, they, you know, it's a it's a it's a, a sort of a lifestyle portrait of, of someone I've done thousands of those portraits for clients okay yeah. i can set it up with blindfolded yeah yeah okay? i'm sure you are <laughs> and, and so um and the reason why they're hiring me is i have a body of work that says hey this guy can go and do a really clean p- portrait of someone standing in front of their their donut shop that they just started or something mm-hmm. um and so um so my skill level is much higher than what in terms of all the technical stuff i know about photography is much higher that 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 the technical to do a portrait like that's pretty simple to do right okay yeah. so what um, is so the story that you tell them like do you have your body of work and like well hold on a second i want to finish this one thought though okay and that is is so so a young photographer thinks it's my amazing pictures that i got hired for because i'm, I'm a, an incredible photographer and that's why the client hired me no the reason why i got hired is 
I put my images in front of them and I kept pushing that images in front of them until they had a crisis. The Personal Branding for Photographers podcast is sponsored by Stops and Shutters, their clothing and accessory brand for photographers who want to open up all stops while hitting their shutters. Go to stopsandshutters.com for more info. And now back to our guests. So let me explain that. Mm-hmm. Especially in the early day, 90%, if not more than 90% of all the jobs I got were not because of my photography skill. It's because the art director, the art buyer, the whoever's in charge of hiring photographers, they ended up in a crisis and they needed a photographer. Okay, so what I mean by that is nobody wants to take a risk on a new photographer. Generally, um, they have a handful, maybe five photographers that they rotate on a regular basis that they've gotten to know. So when they need a, a, a testimonial portrait, they call Billy Bob Jones. When they need uh, a product shoot, they call Alfred, you know, Smith. Mm-hmm. When they have, you know, they have this handful of photographers that they rotate around to meet the needs that they have at, at the agency. Yeah. What happens is, and it happens all the time, is that Billy Bob Jones, or Smith, or whatever his name, Billy Bob Jones, the guy who does the testimonial portraits, He's booked. And the art director's boss says, we need a photographer next Tuesday to do this shot for AT&T. And they're like, uh, okay. And they call and they're, 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 their favorite photographer's booked. Or maybe they have three uh, photographers that could do that. They're all booked. One's getting married off to you know Italy for a honeymoon. One's, you know, wife's having a baby. He's out. One's uh, on a job, whatever. So what happens is that art director has to bring in someone new. And who are they gonna bring in? The person that keeps pushing their images in front of, Joel Grimes. Because Joel Grimes learned a long time ago that every art director will run into a crisis. Every art director will be up against the wall and has to make a choice very quickly to hire a new photographer. And if I keep putting my work in front of them, eventually they'll call me. It's almost a 100% guarantee that if I keep pushing my work toward that art director, that one day they'll call me because my skill set is good enough for the needs that they have right there. In fact, I'm really overqualified. It's just that they don't, even though I'm overqualified, they don't want to take a risk on me. So I have to convince them that I'm the guy or the gal or whatever who's pushing with their work in front of them, that they get, I get my name in their brain and eventually have a crisis and then they call me and then, yes, I do that work for them and they go, you know, that Joel was a great guy. He really gave us some good images. Now we're going to put him in our rotation of photographers. And, and the other thing too is a lot of photographers move on, meaning that they either move to another city or they up their rates and they get known nationally or something and then they're no longer available for that art director because they they now are charging three times the, the, the rate that they used to charge. And so I fill a slot. I'm perfect. Now I start working for that art director. Now I'm in the rotation. And now I've picked up a new permanent client. And so I built my career on that. But the initial phone call came because I was diligent like a hawk in putting my work in front of the right person and I was patient enough to know that one day they're going to be in a crisis and they'll make a phone call to me. So I, my whole career on this. Yeah. So how did you figure out like how to put your work in front of the right, in front of the right 
uh, in front of the right people. Well, okay, so it's very simple, okay? So let's just say in the Phoenix Valley here in the in Arizona, mm-hmm. um, and this is actually an underestimate, but let's just say uh, in, there's like, what, six million people here in the Valley? So let's say um, there are 50 pretty large hospital. Okay. Okay. Cause there's a lot of retired people here in, in the Phoenix Valley. Yeah. But let's just say, and then there's probably another 200 smaller cancer treatment centers, but in the medical industry, if you were like really good at taking pictures of doctors and nurses and people smiling, or maybe, you know, a patient, you know, care, you know, someone, a doctor working with a patient, you know, whatever, but you were, that was your specialty. You, you specialized in, um, the medical industry. Okay. Um, within the one city that I live in, I'm actually moved outside of Phoenix a little bit, but basically Phoenix is my city. I have probably, um, let's just say a hundred really good opportunities to, um, have, uh, someone hire me for their, for their needs, the hospital needs, um, their marketing needs, their, their ads, whatever they put out. Okay. So let's say there's a hundred potential clients sitting right there. So I have to find out the person that hired. So every big hospital has a marketing department and uh, they may call it a communications department or a marketing department or whatever they, yeah. You know. what, what's in a name? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, exactly. I always say the name doesn't matter. It's yeah. just, so I call a receptionist up and this is where it gets hard. This is where only maybe 5% of photographers do this. They'll call up the receptionist and say, hi, I'm a commercial advertising or I'm a photographer that specializes in medical photography. I need to find out the name of the person that handles hiring photographers. The receptionist says, you know what? I don't know, but we do have a marketing department. Let me send you over there. So beep, you get over to the market department. Someone else's answers. Hi, my name is Jewel Grimes. I'm a photographer. I specialize in medical uh, photography, and I would like to talk to the or to get the name. I never say I want to talk to him right there, but I say I want to get the name of the person that hires photographers. And they say, Oh, well, that's Betty Smith. Okay, thank you very much. So I always say, and I don't want to talk to that person. I just want to get their name. The reason is, if I talk to them on the phone right then, they have no reference to who I am, right? So. What I do, and I did for 30 years or so, is I would send them a packet of printed, like a really delicate little portfolio, a little booklet, you know, Joel Grimes embossed on the cover. And I would spend a good chunk of money on, uh, let's put it this way. My marketing materials, I spent more money than the car I was driving. And wow. I drove junk for years. Yeah. But I would put, easily I'd drop two grand into a marketing promo series. And I drive a thousand dollar car. That's how I, I mean, until I was 40 years old, I don't think I paid over a thousand bucks for a car. They were junkers, but I didn't care. I was putting all my money into my business. And then that packet gets sent out to Betty Smith. And then Betty Smith, I usually make a series of four. Betty Smith um, receives that packet and she opens it up. And there's this beautiful, delicate little, bro- uh, uh, little booklet of Joel Grimes with his images. Now, the odds are I'm still not going to get hired from that person because my name is not in their brain yet. It takes eight times. This is what they've done studies over the years. It takes yeah. eight times to get your name. So yeah. what I would do is I'd send the booklet packet and then I'd wait two days, three days, and then I call up and I go through the channels. I'd like to talk to Betty Smith. Okay, hold on a second. So let's say I get voicemail. Um, you know, they put me through. 
and she doesn't answer. And so I say, hey, Betty, Joel Grimes, I just sent you a little packet with my images on it. I would love to meet you in person and find out what kind of needs you have uh, in for your photography. And so then I say, and again, my name is Joel Grimes. Here's my phone number. Okay. So I always leave a message, very upbeat. I never say I want to show my portfolio. I always say I want to meet them in person. And then I send another packet. And then I follow up with a phone call. Send another packet. Follow up with a phone call. By the time I get done, I've left four voicemails. I've sent four packets. There's my power of eight. Now, Betty Smith knows who Joel Grimes is now. So she's putting together her schedule for um, photography for the year. And maybe her photographer, she calls up and he just moved to Costa Rica. He's out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he, he went to better to better weather. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, my gosh, I got to get a photographer. Oh, Joel Grimes. Where's that guy's stuff? She digs through, finds it. She calls me. Next thing I know, I have a job. So that's how I went through it. Now, we live in a little different age today. Social media savvy, uh, age, emails, all that stuff. So people ask me, you know, Well, the, the world has changed. It has changed. But that was not changed is you still have to get your name in the brain of the person that's going to hire you. That's that's the whole secret. So whether it's emails or um, whether I send something in the mail, you know, a, a little hard. I still think sending something in the mail is a great way to do it. Um, you know, uh, it, it, you could stand in the parking lot and when they drive out, you have a big sign you hold up, you know, like you're you know, waving it. I'm a photographer. Please hire me. I, whatever it is, you have to get your name in their brain. And you have to be creative. And uh, you don't have to be a genius, but you have to be somewhat creative uh, to uh, get that. And eventually, you will get hired. Yeah. I've done studies. Or, or I, I've tracked because I have computer programs that track everything I do. And I've done my tracking. And it is like magic dust that I sprinkle on people and they hire me. It's the craziest thing ever. And you, you guys, you say, well, Joel, your work is just amazing, which maybe you don't, but I'm saying someone may say, that's why you get hired. No, it is. I don't get hired because of the quality of my work. I get hired because I get in their brain and I meet the need that they have for the job that they, they have in front of them. And the other thing too is my pricing has to match the budget that they have. So they may call me up and I say, uh, they say, Joel, uh, we need uh, you to shoot. We got uh, eight doctors and 10 nurses and, you know, the, we got 30 images for you to shoot for this, you know, campaign we're doing. And what do you charge? And I say, you know, 30,000. They go, we only have 10,000. I go, I can't do it for 10,000. Sorry. And so then it may not work out because I just, they don't have the budget for me. Um, if I'm starting out and I'm starving, I might go for ten thousand to do it. But at some point, you 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 can price yourself out of the bracket of what they have on their budget. But my point is, is I learned and I built my whole business around this model of getting work. And I, my boys were down; they just left. They they had two of my boys were here visiting for the weekend. Um, and I told them something that I said: you if you Learn to market, you will make a very good living and you'll be king. If you don't learn to market, you'll be a pawn and you'll work for somebody the rest of your life. If you learn to market, you get to where you want to go because it opens all the doors that you need. And very few people learn to market. So what happens is you have a whole bunch of photographers 
that have a dream of being a working photographer, working for, uh, you know, ad campaigns, shooting, you know, campaigns for Porsche or whatever it is, but they never get there because they don't learn how to market. And the skill level as a photographer, you grow over time. You do anything for 40 years, you get pretty darn good with it, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and so, um, it's not the skill level. I know photographers that can run circles around me in terms of their work and they're always starving. Yeah. Like I, I always bring up this, uh, like, uh, what is it? Metaphor. Like I have a, I have a bakery on the corner that's been around since the 1900s and it's still in business and it's in business because they build a community around them and they've been out there and they've been like doing all the right things and building connections and all of that. So like, that's always my reference point. Like these people are out there for God knows how many years, uh, not because of social, not because of marketing, but just because of relatability. Yeah. Well, they built their brand by having a comfort zone for people to come, uh, meet others. Uh, they're, they're, I'm sure their bakery's good, but I think it's probably more of the, um, you know, like you can go to a coffee shop and it has this great atmosphere, but the coffee is not that good. But you love going there because you meet other, you know, other people, and it's a, it's a community. We we my kids love coffee shops, you know, and um, they feel they feel like a coffee shop is a safe place, and so they go and they take their laptops and they, you know, type away and you know whatever, uh, and they hang out there instead of hanging out at home. They want to hang out at a coffee shop um, because it's a community. You're right, and it's. Um, and the same thing happens with when you when a client hires you, an art director, and there's 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 a couple things I tell people that are absolutely paramount in working with clients. One is you're honest. You never pull something on them. They'll catch you if you if you're shady and you you're a little sneaky, you, they'll catch you. Guaranteed. May not the first job. They'll eventually catch you. Yeah. And they'll never hire you. No. Okay. Number two, so you, so so you're 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 honest and you're on time. Every time you have a meeting or a, a photo shoot, you're always early. I uh, my wife thinks I'm uh, whatever OCD when it comes to being on time, but I'm never late. Now, uh, once in a ten years, I might be late somewhere, but I'm never late because it is a reflection of who I am, my character. And, uh, number three is. You never make a promise that you don't keep or that you don't fulfill. So if you say, I'm going to have the, I'll have to get the images to you next Tuesday. Next Tuesday comes around and you go, oh man, you know, I went backpacking this weekend. I had a great time. I forgot. And, you know, I call the client up. Hey, you know what's going to be Thursday now? They'll never hire you again. Or they'll, they'll be really pissed off and, you know, they might give you a second chance. But the, the odds are, yeah, you're going to lose that client very quickly if you make a promise and you don't keep it. Do, do you so, under promise over deliver? Do you say Mondays? Yeah. Uh, or do you say Tuesdays and deliver on Mondays? Do you Sometimes like I, uh, yes. go like okay, like I, I, I can probably do it on Monday, but let's say Tuesday. Yep. Okay. Yep. Because because what happens is life takes over and. Uh, uh, you know something happens. Your kid breaks their arm. They have to go to the hospital. Next thing you know, you're not editing images, and then you're you know you're you're you all of a sudden you're crunched for time, and you you know something happened, and you your day got eaten up or your weekend got eaten up, and now you're not you know you haven't processed the images. So I I, I like to like say if I was going to meet you for lunch, 
uh, or I said, do you, you, let's say you, we lived within a 30 minutes to each other. And I called you up and I said, um, Hey, I'll come on over. I'll be over there in 30 minutes. Well, then I got to go. I got to find the keys to my car. I got to go. Oh, I don't have any gas. I got to stop at the gas station. And then I show up an hour later and you're going, Hey, I've been standing here for 30 minutes waiting for you. Well, you say, well, I got, I had to get my, my keys, my gas, whatever. Well, they don't want to hear all that crap excuse. So if I said, Hey, Maurice, I'll be over there in an hour. <laughs> That's a safer bet. Then you're not waiting for me, right? Yeah. But but even though it's a 30-minute drive, you, you you have to be careful what you promise because uh, life takes over, things happen, and you you know uh, you end up late. And so don't be late. Don't 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 be uh, sneaky. Uh, pull one on somebody. I've had so many shoots. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, well, this happens to me a lot. We do a photo shoot. We have a wardrobe stylist. And we go out and we get wardrobe. So we go out and we buy uh, sweatshirts, T-shirts, sneakers, you know, all sorts of stuff for the shoot. So we have boxes full of – and it's it's the, the client, the agency. Well, the client pays for it, but the agency, they say we got, you know, we got 10 grand or whatever for wardrobe. And we buy all this crap, okay? Then at the end of the shoot, it gets left over, right? And And so technically I'm supposed to pack it up and give it back to the client. And a lot of agencies are like, what are we going to do with this crap, right? Um, and a lot of times I hire uh, wardrobe stylists that will take – if they can take it back, they can take – if they don't take it – if they wear it, we can't send it back, right? Um, you leave yeah. all the tags on. It's yeah. possible maybe to save something. But yeah, it's anyways, all returnable. Yeah. yeah. But but there's tennis shoes. There's all this stuff, right? So my sisters go, oh, these shoes fit me perfectly. Can I keep them? I go, nope. And the, and the art director says, well, I don't know, you know, I guess, yeah, you know, you, you guys can uh, do whatever you want with this. And I go, and my assistant's like, okay, look, the client says they don't, they don't, or the, not the client, but the art director said they don't want it, right? The agency doesn't want boxes of wardrobe in their office, right? So I say, no, 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 no. We box it up. We put their name on it. We stack it over here. Because yeah. what happens, and it happened to me many times, three months down the road, the client goes, Hey, what happened to all that wardrobe that we used for the photo shoot? And the agency said, still at the photographers. And then I get a phone call and the uh, client says, uh, we want all that wardrobe back. And I go, I handed out half of it to my assistants. I mean, then I got to either pay for it out of my pocket or try to recollect it. So my point is, is I know at some point they're going to come calling for that stuff. It's happened to me so many times. You think, oh, free stuff. Nope, it's not free. It's gonna, they're going to come looking for it. And so you don't – or you don't pull a pair of shoes out and then you send everything over and then they have a list and then they go, we're missing a pair of Nikes. And I happen to be wearing them, you know, and I pull I pull it on and, they, and I go, well, I don't know what happened to them. So to me, that's stealing, that's lying, and they're going to catch you and um, they're going to come back and they'll, it'll bite you. Yeah. So what – like you're, you're working with assistants and – uh, other people like what are your deciding factors on how you like get these people on set um if they have a pulse oh that's it <laughs> well, <laughs> i mean, I mean you, uh, you, you you when i hire an assistant that i've never hired before um they want to send me their portfolio i go i don't need your portfolio can you pick up sandbags can you can you show up on time i guess that's the number one can you pick up sandbags can you hustle can you uh you know whatever and um, they say, yeah. And so my joke is, do you have a pulse? Yes. Your heart's beating. Show up. So they, they, they don't need any like 
specific skills, just like be around and be able to take direction, I guess. Yeah, well, and I usually have my first assistant there. They're, they're going to be telling them what to do typically. Um, you, you need a body to carry gear. That's the main thing. Um, now, my, my regular assistants um, that I use, uh, the ones that, that have been with me for a while, they're just good. They're really good at what I do. Uh, they know me um, and they cover for me, you know, make sure I'm, uh, I have everything I need. And so it's a great thing to have, but I'm not as picky as I, I think what some, some, I, like I was doing a big shoot for, um, Fiat Chrysler Automotive. So it's, you know, Dodge, Chrysler, uh, Jeep, all that. And we had semi trucks pulling cars in for these shoots in California and, um, big set, 25 people. And when it comes time to unload the van, uh, to get all the gear out to the location, I'm carrying the gear just like the assistants. I don't sit around waiting for the assistants to move. I, I work. I work with them. And, you know, because and I, my producers are like, why are you carrying sandbag? I go, because I want to. Yeah. Yeah. You want to have a team. I'm, I'm, yeah. I want, I mean, I'm going to work just as hard as the assistants. Actually, I work harder, I feel like. And, yeah. um, so I don't mind carrying sandbags because for number one, it gets exercise. Number two is I don't want to feel like a Mr. You know, diva on set and, you know, barking orders and, you know, snapping my fingers and expecting, you know, people to bring me stuff. Um, so I'm a little different when it comes to that, but, um, but no, my assistants, I just have somebody that's there. That's honest. It's going to be good. I've had a few duds over the years, you know, mm-hmm. um, first time I hire him, I don't hire him again. Yeah. Haven't but, we all? <laughs> yep. Yeah, so I have my runaround with uh, interns, so yep, and yep. all of that. So you live and learn. Yeah. <laughs> so when we back paddle, like, how do you think like people see you as a photographer, like from the outset looking in? When we like take a step back from Joe Grimes, a photographer, and from like the inside talking outwards, like, what do you feel like from the outwards? looking in like how do you think people perceive you i don't know because i mean actually you know we we all live in a little bit of a fantasy world <laughs> we think people see us in a certain way and maybe it's not true but i here's how here's how i would want someone to see me um i would want someone to see me as, as someone who's a a, a a decent person i'm not full of myself though i think we all as artists we have to be a little bit arrogant uh, to, I mean, we're proud of what we do and we, you know, we're artists and we want to show off what we're doing. So that, you know, uh, that, that, that might be confidence and someone might take it as arrogance. But, um, I think that when it comes to my vision as an artist, I am very confident what I, and that's years of growing and maturing, but I'm very confident what I do. And here's what I'm also very confident is if you come up to me and say, I suck and I'm a terrible photographer. I say, well, thank you for your opinion. And I move on. I, it, it's not, it's not something, I'm not saying that I don't, I don't, I'm, that I like that. I'm just saying that it doesn't rock um, because I know how the world works and the world is no artist is loved by everyone. And I don't care. You pick your favorite singer band or whatever. And you would, you know, say that is, this is the best of the best of the best of the best. Someone will come along and say, oh, I hate that person. Yeah, you, you know, can't I, please I, anybody. 
Oh, you can't no. please everybody. So, so, so like you know how you you say, are you a Stones fan or a Beatles fan? Yeah. Someone says, I'm a Stones fan, and someone says, oh, I'm a Beatles fan all the way. Yeah. You know, it's like w- w- that's how the world works, right? Because we're not all the same. We don't like all the same thing, and so when I create my uh, art or my images, I know that not everyone's going to love what I do, and I don't really worry about that. And now, if I I say I don't care. I mean, the more people that like what I do, the better, obviously. But I'm not rocked by the fact that someone doesn't like what I do. Every day or every time I put something on my social media, someone's going to comment that I suck. Every time. There are people say, oh, you're Joel. You're amazing. Oh, incredible, incredible, incredible. And, you know, you get 99 praises and that one person will say, you're the worst photographer ever. I don't understand it. You're overrated, you know, and um, whatever. And so you, you, you say, okay. Well, that's that one person's opinion. Uh, does and that so, affect you? It, uh, no, and I'll tell you, well, I think when, when I say this, it, I've had to come to a place where it does, I've learned where it will not affect me. It doesn't mean that I'm so amazing of a human being that I've learned how to not to take criticism. I think it's, a lot of it is um, a maturity in being uh, insulted and criticized enough to where it doesn't take effect anymore. It, it's kind of like I've heard it before. Yeah, I've heard, oh yeah, okay. You know, and and um, the other thing that I, I know this, and that is, I'll give you an example. Um, there, there, and I, I tell the story, and, and I, it's, it's the one time in my career as a teacher that I kind of got a little bit um, vocal on calling someone out. Okay. And I'll give, I'll give you this, I'll, give, I'll tell you the story. Okay, let's hear a story. <laughs> it's interesting. My wife will say, you lie. Why did you tell that story? Yeah. Uh, Amy Bill will so, be fine. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking at, um, it was Kelby, uh, Kelby training or Kelby one, uh, 13 city tour. I, I was the, you know, the main person that was, it was just me, Joel Grimes for 13 cities, a great opportunity. And so I'd go into city speak and there'd be like 300 people, maybe 400 people in the office. And it was really fun. And I loved it. And, During the uh, presentation, I was doing a Photoshop, an hour of Photoshop. And at the time, my Wacom tablet kept, um, every time I would start, like, dodge, say I dodge and burn, the little circle that you see where you're dodging burning would just disappear. Yeah. I'd have to, like, restart my computer, and then I'd give like, about 10 minutes, and then I'll send it disappear again. I'd restart. And so I was having problems. I found out later what it was. It was a conflict. and, and um, But I remember you know, kind of stumbling through my Photoshop session. And it was a little embarrassing. I was like apologetic. So we get done and, and I, you know, the, the, I step down from the stage and about 50 people come up and, hey, Joel, great, great to see you. Can I have a selfie? You know, whatever they, you know. And this guy, I got about 50 people around. He goes, oh, your Photoshop s- session was a disaster. You suck at Photoshop or something like that. And I go, okay, thank you. And then I'm talking to someone. And he goes, I'd be, I'd just pull that out of your, your routine. That just was a disaster. You know, you just should, you know, he kept going, right? And, and everyone's looking at me, <laughs> looking at me like, what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> I, I said, um, finally, I said, uh, I got a question for you. And he's like, what? I said, I want you to go to Adobe uh, website and go to the Photoshop and look under featured artist under Photoshop. Mm-hmm. And I want you to 
I want you to look there. Guess what you won't find? Your name there. Wow. And guess what you will find? My name. And I don't know if that's true. I haven't looked in a while. They 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 rotate things around. But back yeah. then, my name was – I was one of the featured – out of 10 artists or whatever. Yeah. And I said, you know why my name's there? It's not because I'm a technically proficient Photoshop person. In fact, I'm not even – I've never said I'm good at Photoshop. I'm there because I'm an artist. Yeah. There's a big difference between a technician and an artist. People rel- – they revel – and promote and worship artists. Nobody revels and promotes and, and worships technicians. No, you're not. Tech, you're not running support. Yeah. You're showing what's capable with the software. Exactly. Yeah. And and he turned and walked away, and everyone kind of clapped. You know. And I, later, I was like, I should not have been so bold when I said that to that person. But the point is, is that it's you know. Um, there, first of all, he probably had some justification to tell me my, my Photoshop session sucked because I was having problems. But in the end, it's not how good of a Photoshop technician I am. It's whether or not the end result matches my vision as an artist and that I'm, you know, an artist that is you know, able to, you know, say, hey, this is who I am. Um, and I mean, even then, it's subjective, right? So yeah. um, so I've, I, I've had all, all sorts of people uh, come at me and, and it's okay. Um, you know, I have to learn to, to, and I say, let it roll off my back, thick skinned. I don't mm-hmm. think it's that. I think it's just understanding the marketplace, understanding human behavior. Cause there's always someone that's going to try to tear you down. And you know, that probably most people that, uh, that are mean on social media are a bunch of losers themselves, right? They're not really accomplished people. No, just insecure and they're 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 disgruntled because nobody knows who they are, and so they say you suck, and and that gets they get they feel better about it. So, you know, they feel better about themselves. So, so what are your thoughts about like photographers that go into all of the like the technical stuff, like the I don't know the f stops, the what is your shutter speed, what is your Photoshop move versus uh, let me create something that tells a story. Like, which way are you leaning? Well, so. One of the things that I have to do because I'm a Canon Explorer of Light is I have to like I have to promote their you know gear. So I say shot with a Canon, uh, you know R R R F R R five whatever R five camera with uh, you know whatever R F lens. Um, and then maybe I say the sh- I say the shutter speed uh, f stop and ISO or something like that. Or I'll say it's one light you know Westcott whatever. I like to give some kind of information on there, but but really, um, the the technical information that I hand over to someone is not going to give them enough information to replicate that because there's so much more into it. If I say a 24-inch beauty dish, I could say it's 24 inches from a subject. But really, that's part of the the secret. I say sauce, but it's what angle is it, you know? Um you're balancing maybe with ambient light. There's so many variables. There's a white wall to the right that's bouncing light back into the sun. There's so many variables in that that um, I don't think that having someone uh, giving them my beauty dish or my modifier size is going to really give them a whole lot of information to go and replicate it. It might give them a starting point. Yeah. Um, um, But if I tell them a story about the shoot, I think that's a better way to go. I mean, tell a story behind it. Um, you know, but I think we live in a technical world. I would say that as a teacher educator, um, 
most it's okay it's a lot easier to teach technical information than it is how to be an artist why behind why did i take this picture why did i use that 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 backdrop why did i use that um black dress on that model why did why did i use all those tricks that's a lot harder because that's a world of sort of intangible uh concepts yeah f-stop shutter speeds everybody wants to mark it down and say joel used f you know 7.1 he used a light output was you know 8.2 uh he used a 24 inch beauty uh, on this and a you know a three by four on that it's like they want to mark everything down technical yeah and and they go back to replicate it and they don't and they fail and i've done the same thing back when i was learning lighting I would I read, you know, someone used a, you know, 62 inch umbrella and then I'd use it and it sucked. I couldn't get the same quality of light because I was using the umbrella incorrectly. Yeah. Um, but, um, but we, but most people think it's the technical information that's going to make them. And so as a teacher, it's a lot easier just to hand people technical information and they go like they, they, they fill up their notebooks with technical information. But if I teach them the why behind, they're like, Oh, well, I don't, you know, uh, why didn't you use a white dress? Well, because I didn't feel like it was the right thing to do. Why not? I don't know. I just, my intuition told me to use a black dress on a white piece of sweet seamless. Yeah. You know, it's way difficult to talk, to teach. Like it is. Yeah, it is. So like I said, that's why a lot of instructors stick to technical information because it is a lot easier to teach. Yeah. And so, but it has no meaning. No, it's very, very, um, it's a, it's a just and plus you can't you can't really uh, absorb that much technical information anyways. No. You sit for an hour and just someone's feeding you technical information. Ten minutes in, your brain is fried. Yeah, like I like I have like a million people on Instagram, like all of the socials. Like, what were your settings? I go like, okay, yeah. one two hundred, uh, two eight, ISO two hundred. Yeah, and they go like, gonna okay, and then they ask like, okay, why ISO two hundred? Yeah, because if they're dark-skinned, I want to go up. And if they're paler, I want to go down. Yeah. Uh, so I'm at 200, so I can go 100 or 400. And exactly. I'll stick to the 28 because of the depth of field. And I keep to the 1200 because of the way the lighting looks. Yeah. And they're like, okay. And then they post shots and they're like, yeah, my shit doesn't look anything like yours. It's like, well... uh. What's the measurements from the light to your subject? What's the, like, there's so many variables. And yeah. people don't understand that. So you give me an hour and I can teach you how to light anything on the planet. And I, in fact, my, I can take an hour session on lighting. And I've done this. I've, I've, sh I've taught at some of these, the top uh, photography schools in, in the country. Uh, as guest, a guest speaker, I come in, I speak, and people come and say, you know, I learned more in that hour than I have in four years at this college. Because I'm not teaching, when I teach lighting, it is not a technical process. It's a intuition, it's a yeah. feeling, it's emotions. Yeah. And so um, that's how I teach lighting. And I can teach it very quickly to you. If I teach technical, it takes weeks, if not months, if not years to teach you technically. But from a, a intuition, a feeling perspective, 
you can get there a lot quicker because you don't care how much what the output on your strobe is. What you care about is the value that's happening when you look in your monitor on the face of your subject. Is it too bright or too dark? You don't care the numbers that like over here, the ratios. You see the ratio with your eye. You don't care about the the actual ratio that's happening through the strobes. You're watching the the image reveal what you want, not the technical process. So when I teach lighting, it's like a revelation for a lot of people because um, they've been taught the technical way and they, they, they are all confused. You are listening to the Personal Branding for Photographers podcast. If you enjoy the stories from all the successful photographers, make sure you also grab my Personal Branding for Photographers book. It contains my strategy and how I've built my personal brand. It also contains interviews with other successful photographers who haven't been on the podcast yet. And today I'm going nuts and offer you a $5 discount on the ebook. Since you are a subscriber to my podcast, use the code podcast during checkout at personalbrandingforphotographers.com forward slash book. Unfortunately, I can't offer the discount on the hard copy if you want it in the mail, but just get the ebook. So right now, let's go back to the podcast and continue the interview. Yeah, Plus artists. I've Plus never artists. been to a photography school. Like, I have zero degrees in photography. You're probably better off. And, like, you've seen my work. Like, it doesn't suck. So, like, yeah, I, I, I go by eyeballs. That's, that's right. Like, no, 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 no. It's so amazing. That once you get that revelation of that's how photography really works, yes, you're going to have to know, okay, you say, I want a shallower depth of field. you got to understand that concept. Yeah, that understand. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a given. Yeah. But when it comes to certain things, you have to look at the image and say, hmm, what's wrong with this picture? Oh, well, yeah. okay, I've, I'm doing cross light and there's not enough light on the, the triangle's not showing up in the, the left, the opposite cheek. So I got to mm -hmm. bring the light around a little bit more. You know that visually, not technically. Yeah. And it's a lot easier to get to point B from A to B if you work from a intuition, uh, feelings approach not a technical one. Yeah. So it's really fun, actually. And I, I love teaching the workshops when I have on lighting. People go, oh, my God, this is incredible. And and uh, it makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. Well, if you think about this, too, um, when when uh, like even with, with Peter, Peter Hurley, when he uh, has a subject in front of him, 90 percent of what he does is interacting with the subject. Right. Yes. It's, it's a huge part of what he does. That's why I could never be uh, or copy Peter Hurley style necessarily uh, because – or it would take a lot for me to understand because I do interact with my subjects, but not like Peter Hurley does. No, right? you're a different person. So yeah. your interaction is different from Peter, from me, from – like I've been working with Peter for like God knows how long, uh, probably, I don't know, 10 years at this day. Wow. and. My stuff is different. Like, we can shoot the same person and we get different shots. Exactly. The interaction and the chemistry during a shoot and all of that, like, that's paramount. Yeah, uh, like, and that's the beauty of life. Yeah. Is that we aren't all the same. We don't all have the same skill set. Um, now, I think that it, if I watch someone like Peter Hurley work, I can. my takeaway from that is 
you know what? Maybe I should be a little more inter- inter- interacting with my subjects. That's what I would say. Mm-hmm. I'd say, you know, I need to work on that a little bit. But I can't say, oh, I want to be Peter Hurley. No. I know I can't do that, right? No. But I know I can learn from somebody. And now one of the things I do, it's re- re- kind of interesting. When I first started teaching lighting um, and someone sees me in live or whatever behind the scenes, I work very close to my subjects, right? I'm a be- 24-inch beauty dish is 24 inches from the subject. Yeah. My camera's right underneath that that um, that beauty dish. And people go, what? Why are you so close? And, and I say, well, there's a couple reasons. One is the light that I'm using, as I bring it in, it gets softer, okay? So that's one, one effect. Yep. But as I bring a 24-inch beauty dish in, it lights the head and then it tapers down to darkness, right? Yeah. So you get the so fall I off. Love, yeah, I love that glow of the face and then the shoulders start to taper a little bit less light and it goes down. And so I love that, right? So so I'm drawn to that look, okay? So that pushes me in. And then I actually happen, and this is very strange, <laughs> but I like a little bit of distortion on the face. Yeah. Now, I know I know that sounds weird because um, this n- not if I was doing a uh, a black or a gray or a neutral backdrop, I wouldn't use a wider lens. Mm-hmm. But when I do environmental portraits, I love that sucking the environment into the the background around the subject. And so, a wide angle lens does that, right? So, so what I'm are you drawing, shooting like 35, 24? 24 to 35. Yes. Okay. So very good. Yeah. Well, uh, realm for me. And so People, they scratch their head and they go, you can't shoot a portrait at 24 millimeter. And I go, yes, you can watch. And so <laughs> what I'm saying is if I went to school and learned how to do a portrait, they'd say, you can't use a 24 millimeter lens and you're too close. And, you know, what are you doing? The light's so close to the subject, you know, back it up, you know. But anyways, it's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that. like uh, you got to like make the rules and then break the rules. Pretty much yep. that's what it comes down to and create some uh, great body of work. So like as a question in the podcast, like um, what is like, what is your goal for your work? Like, where do you want to like, if I talk to you in, I don't know, 10 years, like what's the goal? Well, it's, a, it's part of what happens as you get older is that your mindset changes. Like you're, 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 um, when you're starting out, you know, I got married, I started having kids, we had four boys, and your wife says, how are we gonna pay rent this month? And you go out and you scramble to get enough money to pay rent. And then, you know, she says, we don't have any food for the kids. And then you go scramble to pay for food for the kids, you know? So there's that time period in my life. um, And that was in, I got married at 30. So in my 30s, it was scrambling to just make a living to pay for my family needs. Uh, and then after a while, you start getting some money, you start getting some bigger clients, and then you start thinking about, you know, well, okay, you know, what can I do this a little more personable work? And then you work through that, and then you get to a point where you're making really good money, and you think, okay, I'm sick and tired of these clients. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't been you know? all. Haven't been all. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then you're like, I don't, someone calls and says, we got this great job, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, Oh, it's not that great. <laughs> yeah. And, and the other thing, too, is it is photography, which I love. Um, but 
when I do a campaign, it's a month of my life. Yeah. Minimum a month of my life Mm -hmm. from the time I start the project to shoot it, to edit it and deliver it. It's a month of my life. So I go, okay, is this worth a month of my life? And, and then you get to a point where you're like, I really want to get work that I want to hang on my wall and a fine art approach to things. Yeah. Now, now that's kind of where I'm at now. Yeah, I saw you shoot like, uh, what is it? Like bikes and like Harley Davidson's and shit, like stuff like that. Yeah, I just did a whole still life series of images, um, but um, so that's where my mindset is now. Is that um, you know money is great, but money you're not going to sit at the end of your on your, on your on your last breath on your on your deathbed and say I should have made more money. And you're not, probably not going to even say I need should have taken more pictures. You probably just say I wish I would have spent more time with my family. I mean that's probably what you're going to really think. But the point is is Money is it's it's at least to me is just money just gives me more options. So the more money I have, the more options I have, mm-hmm. and so I like options. So money is good in that respect. But whether I I drive a a Mercedes or a Volkswagen, it, it doesn't matter to me. The 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 the, the I, I like a car now that gets me <laughs> to where I want to go. Yeah, you need something <laughs> to get you from A to B. <laughs> Those those days when what was that knocking noise? Oh, I just threw a rod through my engine, but um, or I dropped my transmission. It fell out two blocks back. But you know, um, we've uh, all been there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the thing is, is now what I'm looking at is doing images for me that I can. Well, I don't say necessarily sell them. I I, I like the idea of maybe doing some fine art prints and start selling stuff. Um, but more just the joy of photography. And, and I, I still am a little kid in a candy store when it comes to taking pictures. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, what I don't like is the hassles of, 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 you know, dealing with clients and, you know, getting paid from them and, you know, all that stuff. Uh, those days I've had, I've, I've, I've done so many commercial shoots that I'm, you know, and here's the funniest thing. And before I was a teacher, an educator, I probably would have said this, You know, when I saw someone teaching, I would have said, well, you know, they're teaching because they can't make it as a, you know, in the real world. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, and I get those comments. all. I share time, that right? sentiment That's, uh, to some people. Yeah. Uh, they'll say, well, you know, you know, Joel's, a, you know, he's teaching because he can't make it in the real world. Yeah. I have spent 40 years shooting for client work and on a level of national ad campaigns and whatever. I've done it. Yeah. Um, I've done uh, huge budgets. Yeah. Uh, half a million dollar budgets. Um, and that's behind me. I, I don't really care about that anymore. You know, after you get your first cover of a magazine, your first billboard, your first, you know, whatever, uh, you, it's all exciting. I, I, you know, the first full page magazine or uh, a newspaper uh, ad that I did in Rocky Mountain News, I bought like 30 magazines, you know, sent one to my parents, sent one to my you know, old girlfriends to prove that I was not a loser, you know, whatever. Um, you know, those are big, big moments in my life of, of, of milestones. And I've done all that. There's, I mean, I've had a gallery exhibits. I had a, a 60 print exhibit in the American History Museum in Washington, D.C., uh, the Smithsonian um, uh, uh, Natural History Museum. I've had a coffee table book on the Navajo. 
I've done, you know, gazillions of billboards, covers of magazines, ad campaigns. Walking through the airport, I see my work all the time and big, big displays and whatever. I mean, I've been through all that. Now it's like, okay, I want to take pictures for me. I want to put them on my wall and sit back and go, you know what? That I enjoy looking at that print. And then maybe someone wants to buy it, fine. So I'm shifting gears now. Um, I still love doing portraits. The thing about portraits, and, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll give this little tip to people, and, and, um, and, the, and it's not something that's probably uh, earth-shattering uh, revelation. But when I noticed this when I did the Nav or the um, the uh, well the Navajo book too, but the uh, the Harley series I did. You know, you go to uh, when you, I did a hundred day straight uh, project, hundred mm-hmm. days on the road. 13,000 miles, 36 states in America. Wow. And, you know, the, 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 when I first started, I would grab any Harley rider, anyone that wrote a Harley up, oh, let me take your picture, you know? I was so excited to start the series. By the end of the 100 days, I was so picky. I'd be at a rally with, you know, 80,000 Harley riders. And then we would walk the crowds, me and my assistant, Brad Budd, we'd walk the crowds and I'd say, nope, nope, nope. No. Yeah, you start cherry picking. Exactly. You go through and you say, no, no, no. Okay. Then you come across someone. Oh, I want this subject. And then, you know, you get them and you you say, hey, I'd like to do a portrait. And they go, well, I'm leaving. I can't do it. You know, whatever. And it's the art of recruiting. And so I, I always say this that there's a point in which photography is, uh, the actual photography is easy. The hard part is getting the right subject at the right location, at the right time. That is true. Getting those three variables um, is a super challenge because you might get the person, but they can't, they say, well, I can do it at high noon, but I can't do it at, you know, last light. You're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And then you go, you get the right person at the right time and then you go and you secure a location and then you get there and they, cops throw you out. Yeah. Or, you know, you didn't get a permit and they, you know, somebody comes along and, and it spoils the fun. And you're like, are you kidding me? Get the Harley in the right spot, the subject, and then you get thrown out. And you're like, you know, so those three variables are very, very difficult. And so you got to learn the art of recruiting. You got to learn learn the, the art of planning ahead. So you got to say, I got a location. Now I need the subject and the and and bring him in. You know, so it the photography, you know, the nuts and bolts of photography is easy. I know where to put my lights. I know what the, you know how to balance the lights. I know what you know all that, what lens to pick. I know all that stuff. And but it's getting it all put together is the biggest challenge. And so as I'm getting older, what I'm I'm discovering is that because I have more resources today than I did at 30 years old, you know, at 30 years old, I couldn't buy a Starbucks, you know, but at 60, you know, four years old, I have the resources to do that. And so I can now speed the process up by, say, hiring someone to go find me a good location. And they drive around for three days and they go, Joel, here's this. What do you think of this place? Oh, my God, that's perfect. Where'd you find that? That's a little teeny gas station off a route, you know, whatever. And so then I go, okay, I need a subject. And they go, well, I got this, you know, let me let me make some phone calls. And all of a sudden you go, you get the perfect Harley rider, right? So with the resources I have today, I can speed up the process a little bit by, and I have to pay for it, but by not doing it all myself. And so... I'm, I'm, and I've told my wife this. I've said, you know, um, I can go buy a brand new car or I can take that money and go and make 30 really amazing images or whatever. Yeah. I can use resources to, to help 
me get the pictures. And, um, and so that's what I'm thinking now is that, um, you know, I can, I can take these resources and go out and create images. It's for me only, not for a client. And, and, uh, and then if I document it, if I document it, which I hate, by the way, I, I'm, I'm always having a camera in front of my face. I'm always building, uh, you know, tutorials. And so sometimes it's nice to go out and just shoot a job without having a camera recording it. But the point is, is um, if I can document it, then I'm able to pass on some of those tips to other people so they can chase their dream too. Yeah. Is, is there something that you're still struggling with or is it everything just like smooth sailing? Um, I think that, that, um, I just took a little trip two weeks ago just to get away. I went up to uh, the desert, uh, Anzo Briego. Uh, it's on the other side of Salton Sea, which you've probably seen pictures of Salton Sea. It's in California. Um, it's on the um, on the. I saw range. some things on the Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so when I went up there, I knew there was a weather front coming in, and um, so um, I took off. And now you're, you're probably used to the cold more than I am, but oh, God, it, <laughs> don't, wind, don't even get me started. <laughs> the wind was howling when I say 30, 40 mile an hour wind. And it was, well, freezing in the, in the night, but in the day it was probably high of 42 degrees, which in, in the desert, you got to understand the desert in the winter can get brutal cold, right? We're not talking about below zero and well, it might in some places, but what I'm saying is if you're standing out there and the wind is howling and you got your camera and tripod, I was actually trying to strobe some cactus too. And you literally can hardly stand on your feet and you're trying to hold your tripod down and it's just miserable. And when I was 25, I could handle that a lot better than at 64. Does that make sense? <laughs> I'm out there going, what the hell am I doing out here for? It's freezing. And, you know, and so, you know, uh, three days, two nights, I was like ready to come home. It was so cold. And um, my wife's like, uh, how'd it go? And I'm like, yeah, I'm glad to be by the fireplace, you know. Um, so as I get older, I'm finding myself to have a little bit less tolerance to uh, uncomfortable weather. Does that make sense? Um, and that's some, of, that's some of the best times to take landscape pictures, right? It does. So... It's kind of like I'm kind of looking at myself going, I really like shooting landscapes, but man, getting out there in that cold just sucks. And I would much rather be in the heat. I'd rather be 110 degrees than, you know, uh, 10 degrees. Um, so anyways, that's what I would say is I'm, I'm, I'm kind of I'm getting soft in my old age. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess you, at some point you got to, you know, what do you like to do? Do you want to get up at four in the morning and, you know, go out in the cold and shoot landscapes or do you want to shoot portraits? You know, I love I love the portrait thing. And, you know, the thing about portraits is, again, you have to interact with human beings. <laughs> That's, that can be a challenge too, right? So it's kind of what you love to do. And some people say, I hate people. I'm going out to be a landscape photographer. Um, but uh, I, happen, I happen to love people. And I happen to love the idea of taking a subject and seeing how incredible of a portrait I can get from that subject. Sometimes someone will say, well, I'm not very photogenic. And I go, let me be the judge of that. And I get this incredible picture and they're like, wow, that's a, that's a best, best picture ever of me. And I'm like, well, thank you. So I love that challenge. Yeah. Like every time I uh, have somebody tell me like, yeah, I'm not photogenic. It's like, yeah, give me a buck. And if everybody gave me a buck, 
that said the same damn thing. Right. I shouldn't be behind a camera. It's like, you'd, you'd have a brand new Porsche Carrera with the fin off the back. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> stop being this individual. Yeah. It, it doesn't, yeah, well, we it doesn't make sense. We're all, we're all self-conscious. Yeah. You know, well, everybody like, is. And like, yeah. I got to talk people off the ledge and show to you. And it's like, yeah. I don't know, like people are well, not I'm, used to uh, having a camera pointed at their face. And I think that's the 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 start of the story. If like, well, and that's a that's a skill set as a photographer to be able to make someone uh, comfortable. Yeah, like I've I've and, been compared to root canals and like God knows why. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, uh, like I don't know. Like get get your ass in front of the lights. <laughs> I'll hit the shutter a couple of times and I'll tether it into my camera with my tether tools cable and just like have my monitor up there and they'll see the shot and they go oh it's not that horrible and i go just exactly. I, I just i just don't like i told you so <laughs> well you know i bought this little teeny um canon printer that's um a portable one that's battery powered and mm. i bought it never used it it's sitting there because i was going on i was going on a trip uh i was going to go to mexico and i wanted to give people a little print um in the in the field out in the middle of nowhere we're talking photographing you know, farmers yeah. and yeah, Ind- indigenous people like someplace yeah. somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And it, it kind of fell through because of COVID, but um, I've got that printer. I need to go and, and, and kind of get it, get it, uh, uh, imply it, get it to use, use it for some kind of project. But what I like to do uh, back in the days when we had Polaroid off, you know, you shoot a Polaroid to proof the lighting and then you'd give someone that as a gift and they would light up, you know, they go, Oh wow, this is incredible. And so I miss those days because we have a digital. We can show them on the back of the camera, but to hand them something uh, is is pretty incredible. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do that. Um, I mean, it's been sitting in a box for two years, so I gotta I gotta fire it up and and uh, get the manual out on it and figure out how to do it. But but, um, but I like the idea of when someone sees that photograph of them in in a in a probably a lighting. And a quality that they maybe never had done or never will have done after that. Yeah, uh, that's a great gift you can give somebody. And yeah. so, um, yeah, what and that, that's part of the joy of of what I do, right? Or what you do is is seeing someone respond in a positive way and go, "Oh my gosh, I look amazing!" So, yeah, yeah right now it's like back cameras or like uh, tethered on computers or whatever. But yeah. like I, uh, I bought a four by five like old school Polaroid uh, in a yard sale. People, some like of the old timers that come to my city, yes. like holy shit, you still got that thing? <laughs> I yes. like, oh, I have that. I have four by five cameras still. I have uh, some of the lenses, beautiful cameras, just mm. gorgeous looking cameras. And you know, those were those were some good days. I, I, I love digital, by the way. I'm, I mean, we are in the greatest age of photography, bar none. I can do things today. I never could do, you know, in the old days, yeah. but I still miss those raw, uh, kind of film days, uh, shooting Polaroids, proofing, uh, waiting at the lab for your film to come back. You know, like, like when we had our boys, when my wife was pregnant, we always chose not to know the sex, but tell we they came out. You know, they were mm. the, the delivery. Yeah, and because uh, of, of the surprise, you know, it's a boy. And of course, we never had it. It's a girl. We had four boys, but um, <laughs> okay. but, but I, I love that surprise 
you know, and so the old days you have to wait for your film to come back, right? You're like, you know, and you're going, I hope I have something on them, my film, right? And then you look at it at the light box and you're like, whoa, look at this. This is incredible. And the joy of that experience, I miss that because it's instant gratification now, which is good, but it does kind of, it's a different experience of having to wait. The nice thing with digital is you, you, the ability to learn is quicker because you can go, oh, I made a mistake. Let me adjust that. And then, you know, you can. Like the problem uh, also is like people shoot more. Like, like back in the day, you take like, I don't know, one or two shots. And now people take like, I don't know, 16 and yeah. do the spray and pray kind of thing. Like I have a, a friend of mine who lives in Queens, New York. Like you do a headshot session and you do like, I don't know, seven outfit changes and you still turn up with like only 40, sh 40 shots, like 40 raws. Like, yeah. dude, you can shoot for film. Right. And I'm well, like, I'm like, I'm not doing it on purpose. I'm just shooting like when I don't like it, I don't shoot it. And there's yeah. a lot of people that just like, okay, they move, well, you, they move an inch and they just like hit, hit the shutter and they go, just go like, there's something in there somehow. Yeah. When I was doing that, four by five tight for a 55 Polaroid uh, negative stuff. And I was, I, I, I shot for clients all over the world. So I take my four by five with the Polaroid film Yeah, and I'd put on an airplane and I shot four sheets per portrait. That's it. Okay. Four sheets. So how many shots is four sheets for those are not uh, into the four, four exposures. Okay. Four exposures per, per subject. Okay. So I travel, all the way down to Argentina or Brazil or wherever I went to Kazakhstan. I went to all over and I would only shoot four sheets of that subject. Wow. That's, that's like, well, you better have your act together, man. Yeah. Because, uh, if yet four sheets. Yeah. And um, so th that, tr that taught me a discipline that is not used today. Most people don't have that kind of, but either way, I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, criticize anyone today necessarily i mean if they if they want to shoot 800 pictures of one person fine but the the the, the what they don't understand or maybe they do but you got to edit 800 i mean you got to do 800 pictures to pick the one right yeah it's and, easy on the front end it's uh, it's a pain yeah. in the ass on the back end exactly yeah so, but it's all fun it's all fun stuff but um you know like i said but we're moving forward i think uh interesting times you know again we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring and that's the scary part about whether your economy or the politics of, you know, who's a, who's in charge. And then, you know, you look at uh, Ukraine, you know, what's going on there and you just go, Oh my gosh, their lives are being up, up ended, you know? And, um, you know, we're sitting here, you know, complaining about, uh, you know, stupid things and they're trying to just survive to get, you know, yeah. get out of the uh, city to get to a safe place. And so, but we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. And that's, that's the challenge of life. And, um, you know, you, you can't, no matter how much preparation you do, it's, ne you never can prepare for everything. Right. No, no that's um, true. So no matter how yeah, money you have in the bank, it, it can never, it could, at some point you may not even get to the bank. I mean, you may not be able to, it, it, like, the bank may just disappear. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you a couple of quick questions. Yes. Um, so what is your most valuable piece of advice that you want to share? Um, I would say this. If you want to be uh, uh, successful, 
known, recognized, whatever it is, and you want to be a, a portrait photographer or whatever it is that you decide you want to, um, there are a lot of people that have the same goals that you have. So there's a mass of people that want to be photographers, that want to work as a photographer and want to do what you do. There's a handful that make it to the top. And the reason why the handful that make it to the top is not because they're geniuses, not because they're amazing photographers or genius artists or artists or whatever. It's because they never gave up along the way. And they learned uh, the, the, I guess you'd say, the skill set of repeating the process more than anyone else. Meaning that if you want to be a portrait photographer, the more portraits you shoot, the better you become. And the more, you, I guess you'd say, prize-winning images you have to show in your portfolio or your website, whatever it is, the more you do of something, the more you have uh, a skill set and the body of work to to represent what you want, and and as you as you as you shoot, you grow, right? You're growing constantly, but uh, the more you shoot, the more you grow. And so, I don't think a lot of people, and I didn't understand this at the beginning, they don't understand that concept. And so, um, uh, my son is learning CGI, uh, doing car shoots, car car uh, building car images, uh, and. And so he's been learning this program for two years. Uh, it's not just one program, by the way. It's um, it's about six programs, but learning the whole, putting the whole thing together. And he'll call me and he'll say, "Dad, I am stuck. This is this is impossible to figure this out." And I say to him every time he calls me, I say, "If you quit now, you quit along with a whole bunch of other people, because every roadblock is going to make you want to quit. But you have to." get over that roadblock, right? So it's possible to get over the right. So if you've ever been up against a roadblock and you made it over, you look back and you go, no, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was, right? And, and that's true. We The roadblock in front of us looks like it's, you know, 30 feet high, 10 feet thick. And in reality, it's not as thick and high as you think it is. You get over it and then you go on and you go, oh, then another roadblock comes. And so you have to be able to just say, I have an end result goal that I want to get to, and I'm not going to quit because 95% of the people will quit. And um, and so um, I would say if you were to pick a skill set, you will say, I want to be a genius, creative genius or something. There's very few successful creative geniuses. There's a lot of very successful people that are bullheaded and they're goal oriented and they never quit. Is this also the advice that you would give your younger self back in the day? Oh, yes. Well, see, again, you also think about the the uh, time frame which we're in. You're doing a podcast right now. That podcast is available for anyone in the world to listen to. That's incredible information. Yeah. So thank you for being on, <laughs> like midway. Like, well, no, but, but we didn't have that information when I was starting out. No. And so, so today we have more people telling us how to be successful. But what they don't tell us often is how, I guess you'd say, how persistent you have to be and you have to help, have to outwork your competition because they're all going for the same prize. So hard work, persistence, never give up. You'll get to the top. And then when you get to the top, people think you're a genius and you are a creative genius or amazing or whatever. And and I was doing a, a, a interview with um, this a long time ago. And, and the gal that was interviewing me, she kept saying, Oh, we have Joel Grimes, talented. Oh, Joel Grimes, Mr. Talented, Mr. Talented. Mr. She kept saying Joel Grimes, Mr. Talented, you know, talented Joel Grimes. Yeah. And I said, 
after about the eighth time, I said, um, could you stop insulting me? And she looked at me. She was a really sweet person. Mm-hmm. She said, what do you mean? And I said, I didn't get here because of <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. I got here because of heart. That's so, a- you know, and it's a, there's, there's a big distinction between the two. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, there is. Like, I'm not the most gifted photographer, but I'm doing all right in my country. So. Well, yeah. You, you, you <laughs> I put in the hard work. You never quit. You just keep going. Yeah. And then when you fall down, you pick yourself up, keep going. Yeah. And then you, 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 ew, we've all been to the point where we've been discouraged and we go, oh my gosh, what am I doing? But then you go get your sanity back and you go, okay, I'm going to keep going. Yeah. So on, uh, on this point, like what is the, in your words, like when are you successful? Like what's the key? Well, I've been asked this question many, many times. And um, I think to me, as an overall uh, gauge for my success is that I was a working photographer and I provided for a, that's it. Whether or not I recognize as an international speaker or whether or not I, you know, whatever a photographer that did a coffee table book, that's not as important as that I became a working photographer and I actually provided for a family and I, 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 I fed them, I housed them. I, you know, I was able to do that and still provide for my family. And I think that's, to me, that's a huge success. And I, I would go to my grave with that. How many award-winning photos I get, I don't. I mean, I like the idea of having award-winning photos, but it's, I, I did what I love and I made a living at it. And I think that's, to me, that's enough. Yeah, uh, like the answer is like doing what you love to do and helping those around you uh, yep. to sustain pretty much. Like, yep. right? Yep, yep. So, Uh, before we go into the rapid fire questions, what is the best way for people to find you? Uh, like you got a bunch of courses. Uh, yeah. Like where do you want people to go to learn more about you? Well, so my the website where all my courses, that's just joelgrimes.com. So J-O-E-L-G-R-I-M-E-S.com. If you want to see just my portfolio, you can go there and you can click on portfolio and it takes you to all my images. Um, or you go to portfolio.com joelgrimes.com. Um, that takes you to to uh, the ba- the bulk of where uh, you can get a hold of me and uh, you know get get to see what I do. I would love to have you people look at my portfolio and look at my, uh, my Harley series, my still life series. I have a whole thing on cowboys now. I love doing cowboys, the American America America. I love Americana stuff like the Harley riders and the cowboys. Yeah. Um, I want to do more of that kind of stuff, um, but. That's where you can find me. Cool. So I got a couple of rapid fire questions. Okay. So, Stones or? Uh, uh, <laughs> what's your favorite social media platform? I hate them all. Okay. <laughs> answer that. So. Would, so my wife answers every all the she does everything on my social media, and I think Instagram is probably the best one. Okay. So how often do you post this? Up to Amy, I guess. Yeah, but we, we are very bad at posting. Um, uh, sometimes months go by before me, I'm posting. I don't like that. We try to do two a week, but, you know, with holidays and things, I just, I, I, I'm not very consistent. Yeah. Uh, we answered this question, but I'm going to answer, I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, technical information or story behind the image? Story behind the image. Okay. Top dollar or meaningful job? Oh, meaningful job. Be happy or be rich? Be happy. Be happy. A lot better than being rich. You know, you can be very happy and be a bum. 
So thank you so much, Joel, for being part of this podcast. We had a long run. Yes. And I appreciate you being on this. Well, thank you. And I, 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 love, I love to talk, as you know, and, and interact with other photographers. And you got a good thing going on here. So thank you for letting me be a part of it. And that's it for today. But before we part ways, let me invite you to my personal branding for photographers community on Facebook. The group has already around 700 photographers who want to learn everything about improving their personal brand. Make sure to add yourself by going to mauriciejager.com forward slash Facebook or subscribe to my podcast on your preferred platform. Thank you for listening and I'll see you on Facebook or you'll hear from me in the next episode. Enjoy your day. Talk soon. Bye.